Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to another episode of the Black Case Diaries podcast. Goodness. Hey. Another one. Oh. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> another one. Happy to be back. Happy to be here. That's yes. right. We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I am Robin. I'm here with Marcy and Adam. Hey. Yeah. The gang's all here, like always. Except for that one time. <laughs> yeah, that one time. <laughs> Literally one time. We, yep. Go We're, find it. I'm not going to tell yeah. you which. Yeah, we won't tell you which one it is. You're going to have to listen to all the episodes. All of them. Maybe you can get a prize. Ooh. No, no, hey. no. No prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't promise anything we can't deliver on. Marcy. That's the show motto. <laughs> prize is our love. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. And our go. affection. Yep. The late 90s was an interesting time for animation. Amblimation had folded after its third film, as we talked about last week. DreamWorks SKG was gearing up to release its first animated feature, and Disney Animation was winding down from their 10-year renaissance period. Also by 1999, Pixar and Disney had released two 3D computer animated films, and DreamWorks produced one as well as their first release. Uh The medium was changing, and 3D computer animation was becoming increasingly more popular. Today, it is considered to be the most popular style of animation. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Most most movies nowadays are 3D. Exactly. I've heard people express concerns that, you know, children, after watching so many 3D movies, are, are going to watch 2D and think, what is this? Not really yeah. understanding, you know, what it is because the style is so different or not really liking it possibly because yeah. the style is so different. It's almost... Like when we were kids and someone would show us a black and white movie mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and we would say, mm, no, thank you, <laughs> because yeah. we watched everything in color and what are they even doing? The world's in color. Yeah. Why would we watch this movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it, that's the concern that people have. Mm-hmm. But three artists in Ireland weren't jumping on the 3D animation bandwagon just yet. They formed their own studio, focusing on 2D animation. In about 10 years, they had produced their first feature film, which was nominated for an Oscar, alongside the likes of Coraline, The Princess and the Frog, The Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Up. Dude. <laughs> Way to start out, man. Your yeah. f- debut feature film. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since, they have been steadily producing unique and beautiful animated content, from TV shows to major motion pictures. Last year, they released their fourth film, which has already won several Annie Awards. Each film features masterful storytelling, heavily influenced and inspired by history and lore, with uniquely beautiful animation that will take your breath away. (sighs) So, this week we are excited to talk about the Irish independent animation studio, Cartoon Saloon, as well as their four full-length films. Hooray! Yay! Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Cartoon if, Saloon. That's right. If you heard that and are like, huh? Then buckle the hell up. Please stay. Yeah. Please listen to us. Ireland has had a vibrant animation scene for several decades. Some of our favorite films and shows were animated there, whether in Don Bluth's animation studio or at Murakami Wolf, which produced the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cartoon Saloon, however, is likely the most well-known independent animation studio in Ireland. Its creators Tom Moore, Nora Twomey, and Paul Young were animation students attending Ballyfermot College of Further Education in Ireland. Nora would be the first to graduate a year before the others. 
She spent that year working for a studio called Brown Bag Films, which is known as a studio that creates shows like Doc McStuffins and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. After graduating in 1999, Tom, Paul, and Nora moved together to Kilkenny, Ireland. At this point, they had already started doing small freelance jobs, such as commercials and e-cards, under the name Cartoon Saloon. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Uh, we got the name. That's a good name. Tom Moore later said that starting the studio felt like a way to extend college and continue to work with talented people on animation projects. I feel you there, Tom. Yeah. That would have been cool, huh? If you if you finish college and you're like, you know what? I want to keep this party going. Let's just, Let's just do it. keep my college friends here. Yep. Yeah. And we're just going to work on projects. I, I mean, amazing. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, if you love what you were taking in college that much, you would mm -hmm. want to. Yeah. I know he described it as... He, they thought that it would be just this transitional period that they could just work and have fun on this. Yeah. And then they would transition to more adult jobs or something. Yes. It's like, let's and, be kids a little longer. Yeah. And but then, then it just stayed. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, we can be kids as for jobs. Yeah. <laughs> At Bally, Vermont, Tom Moore specifically made sure to take horses made by Dom Bluth. Ooh, yeah. Hooray. Sullivan Bluth opened in Ireland when Moore was a child. And this opened his eyes to the possibility of being an animator. He was heavily inspired by animator Richard Williams, who believed that animation was an art form. We believe that here, too. Yeah. Moore has directed or co-directed three of Cartoon Saloon's films. The Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea, and Wolfwalkers are what he considers to be a spiritual trilogy. All of them are inspired by the mythology of Ireland. Yeah. Which is super cool and one of my favorite aspects of these because yeah. every time we watch one of these movies, I think nobody does it like Cartoon Saloon. Mm -mm. Nobody out there is doing it like them. And not only in the animation, but their their topics. Yeah, it's it's so cool to see the connections too between that and like Studio Ghibli, you know? Yeah. And it's like you have this animated world that is based off of it's it's so heavily influenced by real cultures mm -hmm. and storytelling that has existed for so long yeah. and seeing ancient things come to life on screen it's really cool yeah at this time many were saying that 3d animation would be the new frontier due to the success of toy story and a bug's life and maybe ants uh, the... it wasn't as successful as those two mm -hmm. The team believed that 2D animation was still very much in style. They were discovering treasures such as The Thief and the Cobbler by Richard Williams, which Adam just mentioned, mm -hmm. and The Hungarian Folktales, which was an animated series from Hungary. Not long after did they decide on the first movie idea, Brendan and the Secret of Kells. This would later be shortened to simply The Secret of Kells. Hooray! Yay! The operation began with about 10 artists, a couple of whom had been members of the Young Irish Filmmakers, which I guess Tom Moore was one of those. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Which is run by Mike Kelly and based in Kilkenny, Ireland. When the Cartoon Saloon creators first moved to Kilkenny, Mike Kelly helped them earn a small grant and gave them a small space to work in. There was only one computer between the three of them, and the experience taught them how to budget and split tasks. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Madness. Yeah. I think some of the best creators, honestly, come from situations like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking about it with Balto last week, 
when you have to choose between shadows and footprints, right, yeah. right. you come up with pretty creative solutions. And this is the kind of, you know, when you learn how to do stuff like this, you're like, you could, you feel like you could do anything. Yeah. You feel like you could pretty much solve any problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you do get the budget and the resources, yeah. you go nuts. Who knows yeah. what you can yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what to do. As they began developing The Secret of Kells, they released their first television show called Skunk Foo. Whoa. Hey. This show would be the first to give them a true spotlight. The studio now has four other TV shows. One of the most popular is Puffin Rock, which is an adorable children's show available on Netflix and narrated by Chris O'Dowd. What? Chris O'Dowd, known what? Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so the first movie is The Secret of Kells, of course. Yeah. yeah. Talking is... a little bit about it already. Was this your guys' introduction to Cartoon Saloon? Yeah. Yeah. It was for me, too, yeah. It's, whew, what a way to start. So anybody who has not seen it yet, here's a little synopsis for you. The Secret of Kells takes place during the 9th century and follows Brendan, the young nephew of Abbot Kellogg. As they prepare for an attack from the Vikings, Brendan works secretly with the Reverend Illuminator, Aiden, to help complete the ancient Book of Kells. Ooh. So this movie was directed by Tom Moore and co-directed by Nora Tuomi. According to Tom Moore, there were about 200 artists that worked on the film. Ross Stewart was the art director and Paul Young produced the film. As the animators were starting out, they needed to find the money to produce the film. They received help from Screen Ireland, but they also started reaching out to other countries. They attended an event called Cartoon Movie in Europe where they met other producers and pitched their film idea. This is where they met Didier Brunet and Vivian van Flitteren, producers from France and Hungary that helped produce the film. Yeah. That's pretty cool stuff. I want to go to Cartoon Movie. Yeah, I would like to go is. to that too. To, uh, three passes to Cartoon Movie, yes, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> cartoon Movie. Screenplay done by Fabrice Zolkowski. The story is based on the origin of the Book of Kells. The book is an illuminated manuscript that now sits in Trinity College Library in Dublin, Ireland. I believe the front cover is missing, though, mm -hmm. which is why Whoa. they had to actually kind of look into what might have been on the front, and they created their own version of what they think that the oh. front of it would have looked like. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The film combines Irish history with Catholic tradition and Celtic lore. The beginning of the film was drawn to be very flat-looking in style, to model the look of medieval art. Cool. Yeah. And another key detail is that while the town was done with ink, the studio thought that the forest should be done with pencil because it's much more organic-looking. I understand that. Yes, yeah. and that is something that they would continue to to use later on in some of their other movies too. Yeah. yeah. They're really good about changing art style mid-movie yeah. to match what's happening. Yes. And I, I think that that's incredible and I think everybody should do that. Yes. Yep. Agreed. Although Abbot Kellick, young Brendan's uncle, is not a bad guy, he's much stricter and has lost his way. In order to show the difference between him and other characters, his character and the rooms he inhabits are angular and sharper, with a gothic influence. Think of gothic cathedrals and how they often come to a point. For example, there is a scene in which he and Brendan are seen in the window, 
And since they take up the entire space, it's almost as if it's a stained glass. Cool. In comparison, Aiden and the Scriptorium have more rounded edges with a Romanesque influence. Yeah, everything about each character is formed and, and from an animator's perspective based on that character, right? Yeah. Sometimes if you get so caught up in style, you kind of put these limitations on yourself like, well, all the characters need to look like this because mm-hmm. this is the style of the movie. And really it's, you know. I think 3D animation falls into that trap very often. Uh, yeah. Yes. You can't really change <laughs> in right. those movies yeah. at all. Yeah. I think the only way that you could is if sometimes movies will like look at a TV or something and then that show will be a different style that they're yeah. watching. Right. right. But other than I, that. I think as far as they can go, most of the time it's like lighting changes. And yes. Stuff like that. Oh, but, yes. Yeah. But everything geometrically stays as it is yeah mm-hmm. they'll do some silly pieces like yeah the one that i think of is is Kristoff's song in frozen 2 yeah uh-huh. you know, they mess with it a little <laughs> bit they they change some of the environments but yeah. not really Mm-mm. right the forest that he's singing in doesn't change they have to build him a new place that is yeah. different right mm-hmm. so yeah. 2d doesn't have to do that they'll just literally the guy in this room is different than outside this room. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So let's talk about some of the voice actors of this movie. Yeah. One thing we'll mention now, that all of these movies are so incredibly well voice acted. It's, yeah. It's yes. awesome. First, we have Evan McGuire as Brendan. The character Brendan was actually based on Tom Moore's son, Brendan, as Cute. well. Cute. Cute. They went through hundreds of designs, though, in order to get him the way they wanted. Yeah, so that's you cool. can imagine. Yeah, all the way from back in 1999 when they first thought of the movie, oh, all the way up until take your time. Yeah, that's yeah. right. There's not a race. Nope. I wonder. I wonder if they were like, we want him to kind of look like my son, but <laughs> yeah, but don't like yeah. copy him, right? <laughs> yeah, because it's also in personality and right, yeah. how he. And it's funny because it's like 10 years, right? Yeah, worked in this for 10 years, so maybe his son hadn't been born yet when yes, they started. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and then like, mm-hmm. yeah. Next, we have Kristen Mooney as Ashling. Ashling's early concept art and movements were based on Tom's sister. whom he claims was a little pest. (laughs) (laughs) Classic siblings. She originally had black hair as well as the wolf being black. Interesting. Yeah. Having black hair instead of white. Next is Brendan Gleeson as Abbot Kalak. The Abbot's character evolved from their beginning concepts of him. When they started, he was more of a villain, but he became more nuanced as they continued to develop the film. Ah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Good move. Then we have Mick Lally as Aiden. Aiden originally was drawn with spiky red hair <laughs> and was supposed to look like Paul Young. Aw. <laughs> but he ended up looking more like Willie Nelson, they said. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I agree. He does look like Willie Nelson. I, right? I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny that they want to base their characters on people they know. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really cute. Yeah. Next is Liam Horkin as Brother Tang slash Leonardo. Then we have Paul Talek as Brother Asuya. Then we have Paul Young as Brother Square, <laughs> which is great to have him in it. Yes. Nora Tuomi did additional voices as well. And Pangerbon the cat is the only character that they told kids was real. 
<laughs> out of all the characters in the film, there have actually been stories and poems written about Pangerbond. Yeah. Pangerbond was a real cat. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. At some point, a monk did own a cat named Pangerbond. Yeah. So. That's super cool, man. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> So the music in this movie was done by French composer Bruno Coulier, who also wrote the music for Coraline. Hey. Yeah. Which was also nominated for an Oscar that same year. The film also features music from the Irish band Kila. And it was nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards and also for an Annie Award, but unfortunately did not win those. Boo. It did, however, win many other awards overseas at several film festivals, one being the Zagreb World Festival of Animated Films, and it also won Best Animation at the Irish Film and Television Awards. Cool. Yay. I'm glad it got some. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the year that it was at the Oscars, it lost to Up. Tom Moore said of the Oscar nomination, with the nomination, I met a lot of people, like Pete Docter and Henry Selick, and it really felt like the industry saying, oh no, this is great. It's great to see something independent. Keep going. Let's see more. That's what it felt like. It felt like the industry itself, or our peers in animation, endorsing what we were doing, and that was massive. Wow. That yep. is super cool. I would be so afraid to be like... I don't know, like patted on the back, be like, yeah. you're doing great, even though you just lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd be so afraid to feel like everyone's just trying to be empathetic but can't. Mm. Or yeah. or, you know, almost like unintentionally looking down on a studio like this. Mm -hmm. But they're not because it is that good. Yeah. I really believe him. You know how they say it's an honor just to be nominated? Mm -hmm. I really believe this sentiment. I really believe that he's yeah. he's actually like, Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. It was validating. Oh, yeah. So now that we've kind of talked a bit about it, what do you guys have any have any thoughts? I have so many thoughts <laughs> about this movie. So we talked a little bit about Abbott Kellick and yes. his whole shtick. He's that character that children are watching and they don't like because yep. he does not want Brendan to focus on anything other than being Bill safe. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean the Vikings are invading, and this is like a small Irish village. They are desperately trying to build this wall to keep <laughs> to keep the Vikings from killing everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's such an interesting concept for a young character to understand. I honestly think Brendan gets it; like he understands that his life is in danger. Yeah. But he just doesn't want to focus on that. You know, it's like, I know that I should be, I should care about the fact that the Vikings could pop on in here any minute and destroy my life. Yeah. But instead, I care about art. I care about continuing the history of my people. I care, I care about our, our culture. And, yeah. you know, and those are the things that he's kind of fighting for. How, like, what's the real way for a people to survive? Is yeah. it the mm -hmm. actual people surviving, or is it what makes them who they are? Yeah, surviving. You know, and in the case of this movie, Brendan is kind of like, I think this book and our history and that kind of stuff is yeah is the more important thing at this moment. 
Yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, you only live as long as the last person who remembers you. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. And that's such an important part of Irish history. Because if you know anything about Irish history, you know that there have been many, many different times where someone has come in and tried to erase it. Tried yep. to assimilate Irish people into a different culture. Yep. It didn't happen. The Irish lived on. And it was because of things like this, you know? Oh boy, yeah, yeah. it's Heavy. it's an amazing <laughs> it's an amazing movie because it's able to encompass all of that mm-hmm. in a way that is still fun to watch because it's some heavy stuff saving yeah. a culture, yeah, and Vikings attacking at any second, yeah. But they make it fun. They they use a lot of the fantastic nature of Irish lore like Ashling mm-hmm. and the forest and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's this beautiful mixture that they somehow nail. And it just makes it, right. s- it's a great, great time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The next movie that we'll talk about is Song of the Sea. Yeah. This story follows a 10-year-old boy named Ben and his younger sister, Sersha. After being removed from their beloved home and father by their well-meaning grandmother, Ben discovers that his sister is in fact a selkie a being capable of transforming into a seal. Ooh. It's a lot. <laughs> it's crazy. Not only that, but Sersha's song is the only thing that can save the other fairies of the land as they are all being turned to stone. Ben must find a way to bring his sister back to the sea so she can sing her song before it's too late. Oh, man. Wow. I had no idea what this one was going to be like going into it, but it's so cool. The film was directed by Tom Moore and produced by Paul Young. Tom Moore wrote the original story, but the screenplay was written by Will Collins, who would later write the screenplay for Wolfwalkers. Hey. Heck yeah! Yeah. Tom Moore came up with the idea for the story when he was on holiday in the Dingle Peninsula with his family. After arriving, they were saddened to discover that many seals were lying dead on the beach. Mm. He spoke to a local woman and tour guide, who told him, that the superstitions and stories surrounding the seals would usually protect them from being killed. He said, She was saying that the seals would have been respected. They would have been seen as the Selkies, containing the souls of the dead, the people who were lost at sea. Moore was inspired by the relationship between folklore and how it shapes and protects the environment surrounding it. That's a pretty cool wow. idea, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. we hear about cats being hurt at Halloween because of the idea that mm-hmm. they're unlucky, mm-hmm. you know? But what about the reverse of that? You know, imagine mm-hmm. someone protecting the environment because they spiritually believe that it's important. Yeah. Aww. He found the Selkies fascinating because he understood that they are often a way to deal with loss. So he began developing the story for a film. The animation surrounding an Irish story is a concept that was inspired by Hayao Miyazaki. Thomas More found it incredible that viewers don't need to understand Japanese folklore to appreciate these films and their universal themes and characters. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it can be hard. Yeah. Like, it's amazing what they can do to simplify it or just to make it understandable in the context. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Moore admires how Miyazaki depicts Japan from an animator's perspective. And the more you know about the country and its culture, the more you get from the piece. Each location in the film is inspired by a real place or a mashup of places, but most heavily the Dingle Peninsula. Moore took his team to the area to get a familiarity with the landscape. 
They used real landmarks and scenery, like the statue of Molly Malone in Dublin, to ground the film firmly in its location. You guys remember we were watching yes. that? Yep. I paused like, it. There she is. is. That's Molly Malone. Yeah. They're in Dublin. Because, <laughs> yeah, but they had gotten there and we're like, I wonder where they are. And we're like, I think it's Dublin. I think. And then yeah. that came up. We're like, yep. It's absolutely <laughs> Dublin. They depicted the landscape from the perspective of a child and how they would perceive the country. When asked about why they chose a hand-drawn style for the film, Paul Young commented that when young children see a hand-drawn film, they come out of the theater inspired to draw themselves. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's a cool idea. Yeah. This even shows you, he as they're driving, this little boy is, is drawing a map yes. in his ben notebook is and stuff. Making and just, note of where everything yeah. is. And it's very much like anybody could do something like that. Any yeah. child could, any, any adult, like anybody. Yeah. So smart and resourceful. <laughs> and one thing that I love about that in the movie is when he's trying to go back home. Yeah. He gives this hand-drawn little scribbled <laughs> map to a bus driver, and the bus driver's like, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, it'll take about this long to get over <laughs> yeah. there. He, like, he knows Just the landmarks that he used. Yeah, he yeah, understands the map. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. The studio is famous for its hybrid style of computer and traditional animation. For this film, the animators used the computers to imitate animation techniques that would have been impossible with cell animation. For example, Paul Young said, We were able to make the clouds, the watercolor layers, actually move. That would have been incredibly difficult to do without a computer. You couldn't put watercolor on a cell. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Cells have to be drawn, like, I guess with very few things on them. If you've ever mm -hmm. looked at an animation cell, it's got one little piece on it and then the yes. rest of the sheet's blank. Yeah. So backgrounds and things like clouds are harder to do yeah. because yeah. they have to be so wispy and, you know, mm -hmm. usually. Yeah. It's like, well, there's nothing on this cell. Well, the clouds are there. <laughs> but you just can't see them. <laughs> yeah. That was something Tom Moore said. He said, doing traditional cell animation, mm -hmm. it was like they had to do so many cells mm -hmm. that it got to a point where it was just like, it was a really dark image, yeah. he said, yeah. because ah. the cells were just mm -hmm. piled, piled and piled on yeah. top of each other. Yeah, if the more things you want to move, the more cells you're going to need, and eventually yeah. it's going to be too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cartoon Saloon coordinated with studios in five different countries to complete the film. This approach has helped them make films on, on a tight budget, in contrast to major studios that can afford to spend hundreds of thousands on productions. Wow. <sighs> I mean, like we said before, like, when you work within limitations, you come up with amazing, yeah. creative mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Let me, let me rephrase that. Hundreds of millions on productions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the cast in this one. We begin with David Rawl as Ben. Brendan Gleeson again as Connor Ma slash MacLear. Yeah. So what they're doing here with the movie was they had voice actors play two different characters. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you kind of have a parallel story world, real world thing going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where the story about MacLear mm -hmm. that Ben has told Sersha and his mother who has turned him to stone because she couldn't stand to see him suffering so much. And the the great part about this is that these storylines are so <laughs> parallel. Yes. <laughs> that it's the same voice actors playing their parallel characters. Yep. And you can see 
what they're doing is they're taking the grandmother, mm-hmm. who is a seemingly unlikable character mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. that most children are not going to enjoy when mm-hmm. they see her. And they're taking this character and they're humanizing her by showing her her story world co- counterpart yes. mm-hmm. and showing you exactly why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's too complicated for a child to see it in the regular world, but showing them the story version mm-hmm. really opens that up. Yeah. yeah, you can explain things with magic. Yeah. And it's easily yeah. comprehended that way because it's more, I don't know, I, not black yeah. and white, but it's just more simplified. Yeah. yeah. Like you can see the sorrow in a jar, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It, it reminds me of just learning, you know, some kids learn yeah. differently and you explain it one way and one kid gets it and then you explain it another way, another kid gets it. It's like the same story just told in two different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Lisa Hannigan as Bronach, Fionula Flanagan as Granny and Maka, Lucy O'Connell as Sersha, John Kenny as Fairy Dan. My and, favorite. Yes. <laughs> Fairy Dan. Fairy Dan. And the great Shonakai. Pat Short as Lug, Colum Oshnodeg as Mossy, Liam Hurricane. As Spud and also the bus driver, Paul Young, uh, he did additional voices. So all right, I, I love how they do that. They're all yes. the, their creators just they kind of wanna... jump in there. It's easier than paying somebody. That's a good point. <laughs> Honestly, if I ran a studio, I'd want to do that too. I'd be in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> so the music was done by Bruno Coulet. He scored this film as well as The Secret of Kells, giving the films a unifying sense in their music, which makes sense since Tom Moore considers Song of the Sea to be the spiritual sequel to Secret of Kells. Yes. Ah, yes. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Perfect. Song of the Sea was nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Film, along with several Annie Awards. It did not win. (sighs) Big Hero 6 won that year. Ah. Which I agree. Big Hero 6 is a great movie. Yeah. I think Song of the Sea is a better movie. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. 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 I, I agree. I, I do. I think it is a better film. Yeah. I love Big Hero 6. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and look at this. It's only their second, second. movie. Yeah. They've been nominated for Best Picture, Best Animated Feature for every movie they've produced. Yeah. You um, kidding me? A 100% success rate. You kidding me? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the movie a little bit. I know we've talked about it somewhat, but what are what are our thoughts yeah. about um, Song of the Sea? There was a moment that I wanted to mention where, towards the end, I don't know if this is considered a spoiler, but if you, if you want to watch it, go watch it right now and then come back. Yeah. But towards the end, after they get back to the sea at the lighthouse, mm-hmm. and Sirsha is like almost gone. Yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. there's this sequence. Of her then like waking up singing her song and everything across Ireland is like reviving, yeah. right? Yeah. The giant comes back, mm-hmm. all of the fairies, they, they come back from being turned to stone and this whole thing just sweeping across, you seeing all of this stuff fly towards the sea and all this. It was one, probably one of the most moving animated sequences mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Not just because it was beautiful to look at and it was beautiful to listen to, but everything combined 
and what it meant after the whole buildup of the movie. It yeah. was just a beautiful culmination that I didn't know what to do. I didn't know yeah. what to do with myself. Yeah. You talk about taking breath away at the beginning of this episode. Absolutely did. There are scenes in these movies where it, it is like that. You just don't know what to do with yourself. You've never seen something that beautiful mm -hmm. in yeah. animation before. It's it's kind of strange, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's like I watch a lot of animation, but to see something I don't know I've never seen before is really like a surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This movie, I think, out of all of them, I like this one the best because I like this story the best. Yeah. I I love Ben. Mm -hmm. I love that character. I think that, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, a typical older I, yeah. brother. <laughs> he is the most realistic 10-year-old older brother yeah. I've, I've ever seen depicted on yes. screen. And I really love the, the story about, because this is a story about grief mm -hmm. and loss. Mm -hmm. He is getting over the fact that his mom has died. Yes. And he blames his sister for his mother's death. Mm -hmm. This is something that he never says. Nope. Until maybe the very end, he mentions it. He says, I, I, it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he never has to say it. We yeah. see it. We understand. Yep. We get why he is a little, maybe a tiny bit cruel yeah. to his sister, mm -hmm. which usually is a normal thing, mm -hmm. you know? But when he finds that there is something he needs to do, he does it. Yes. This is a character that really rises to the occasion. I love that the way they handle grief and sadness. It's perfect. and. I think my favorite part that Adam was talking about when everything was like she's singing and all of the fairies are set free. They've been yes. turned to stone, which is another beautiful imagery. The idea that uh, this woman loves her son so much that she doesn't want him to have pain. So she turns him to stone, mm -hmm. but then is depicted throughout the film as the villain mm -hmm. for doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she doesn't quite understand. And she herself is trying to bottle her own feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she doesn't even allow herself to feel. Mm -hmm. This is a movie about the dangers of not letting yourself feel emotions. Yes. It's, it's a movie about, like, being sad, grief, loss. Mm -hmm. You know, the father is desperately trying to, like, keep his family together. Yeah. While mourning the loss of his wife, you know. Yeah. And... I, I, it's just an incredible story mm -hmm. and the way they depict all of that is wonderful and I connected with it very much so on a personal level but the fact that at the end the mom comes back yes. just for a moment yep. and they all see her and this is the thing that really got me because Ben loved his mom mm -hmm. and it is so clear that he loved his yeah. mom and she's there. And the first thing that he says is, don't take her away. He's worried that his mom is going to take his sister away from him because she's a Selkie and, and the Selkies are all leaving now. Yeah. And I think that is incredible. It's one of the most subtle ways I've ever seen a movie depict a character going through change. And getting over a loss. Yes. I, I, I've never seen, you know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's incredible because he sees his mom and it's like the priority is, is my sister. Yeah. Not my mom. And I loved that. Yes. That was the, that, I just thought that was like incredible. I, it was just like another level <laughs> of storytelling. Yeah. And 
I mean, and then on top of like all of the, all of the visuals too. Yes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so this is an incredible movie. (laughs) Good Lord. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love how much they, all of the movies have kind of deal with this, but I love how steeped in the lore they are. And yet it's not like. You know, it's just the way it is. It's not like they're like, ooh, look at how mystical, magical. Ooh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, fairies are here. Yeah. Um, yeah, this magic owl lady can take emotions. Um, there's a guy <laughs> with, like, infinitely grown hair that has the stories in it, <laughs> which is super cool, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. his super, memories super cool. are, yes. are contained yes. within the hair trans. Yeah. Like, super awesome things happening, but yet the story is about Ben and his sister, and like you said, losing the mother, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how they're able to walk that line. <laughs> yeah. Nobody does it like Cartoon Saloon. <laughs> no. I keep saying no. it. Yeah, I also love the way they use the Irish language in all of their movies. Yes, yeah. Uh, they don't use the Irish language in Breadwinner, obviously, um, right? Which we'll talk about soon. But I love that in these movies they use it to great effect. Every time they say something in Irish, generally they say it in English almost immediately after. Yes, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool because mm-hmm. it helps kids learn Irish or helps other people yeah. learn Irish. I would say I did think it was really funny how the I can't can't remember his name now the the man that did the strings of hair yeah. with the stories had such a hard time with short memory. Yeah, like he like immediately forgot who, who yes. Ben was as soon as he yeah. was leaving, and I just I feel yes. like I kind of relate to him there. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. I wonder if in the lore or like the way that character works, yeah. if they had like given him a haircut. Mm-hmm. then his short-term memory would be like super <laughs> oh good oh my gosh probably. but then his long-term Long, memory would have forgotten would be everything yeah. yeah so as we mentioned before the next movie we're talking about now is the breadwinner so for those of you who don't know this movie is based on a novel of the same name by deborah ellis this film takes place in taliban controlled kabul in 2001 <laughs> i mean already yeah it follows 11-year-old Parvana, a girl that risks her life by posing as a boy so that her family can survive. She is determined to save her father's life and reunite her family after her father has been taken to prison. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> a lot heavier than the previous two. Yeah. So yeah. far? <laughs> yeah. The historical context of The Secret of Kells is so long ago. Yeah. The stakes are high. Yeah, but just because it takes place in a time that we weren't alive, and and because we don't know much about that time, mm-hmm. it's still not as mm-hmm. high as the stakes in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. this film was the first cartoon saloon feature directed by Nora Twomey. Yay! Yeah, and it was executively produced by Angelina Jolie. Oh, wow. that's nice. Yeah, so this is some big funding. The screenplay was written by Anita Doran, based on the novel by Deborah Ellis. When Nora Twomey read the novel, she immediately connected with the character and loved that the story didn't talk down to its audience. She knew that it would make a beautiful animated film. I think she was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nora understood that to make this movie the best it could be, she needed input from people who understand Afghan culture and those that might have had similar life experiences to the characters. 
She loved the challenge of telling a story that would appeal to younger and older audiences at the same time, and chose an animation style that lent itself to that. This is a very different animation style than the first two movies. The filmmakers looked at the difference between Western and Afghan culture, and wanted to depict universal struggles that would apply to everyone. Yeah. That is something that I think they nailed. It's just you have an emotional reaction to things happening. Yeah. Like more than you usually do in, in these kind of movies, you know? Yeah. We have no real world concept, right? Right. Of any of this happening to us. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at least you get somewhat of a, of a little bit, a little bit yeah. of an understanding mm-hmm. of what that was it, like. And it's something that I don't think any other studio would have the guts to do. Nora was also dedicated to finding as many actors from Afghanistan or with a strong connection to the country and its experiences. She not only wanted authentic voices, but she also wanted people that could draw from the emotion of their own experiences. It, it's kind of like the write what you know, except for it's have people voice act what they yeah. know. Yep. And it adds such a level of realism to the mm-hmm. movie, knowing you're watching it and knowing that those people actually understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of feel like they get to tell you the story themselves. Mm-hmm. The animation team was made up of 100 artists spread across three countries. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Continuing the tradition <laughs> of several countries. Yeah. To give animators an understanding of how the characters would move in each scene, Nora acted out every scene of the film as a reference point. Wow. Yeah. Before the animation started, they made three drawings per scene to show what the characters should do, which gives the animator a better idea of how the character is feeling and how the scene should be approached. Then they enter the rough animation stage where the animators use quick, rough drawings to bring the characters to life. This is about the general movement of the characters. Those rough drawings are tidied up after they have been approved. This makes sure that they can be painted easily and that the characters are in the correct style for the film. Animators then start adding shadows to put the characters in the real world before adding color. Oh, that's cool. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Wouldn't have thought to do that. Yeah, me neither. Every color is specifically chosen for a reason. They used the colors to guide the audience and make every scene as clear as possible. Yep, that's something that is used a lot in these movies, and specifically this one, because in a desert area, lots of brown, right? Heck yeah. So they have to use color to make sure you know who's who from a distance, right? Mm -hmm. Whether something is like, this is something good, this character is... You know, somebody we like, or if it's, this is a bad situation, this is somebody we don't like, that kind of thing. It's just simple tweaks of color that can tell so much. Yeah, Yeah. darker colors, lighter colors, shades of red and blue. Mm -hmm. The film consisted of two separate types of animation. The look and feel of the real world that Parvana inhabits needed to be naturalistic and based heavily on the specific setting. Animators went for a cinematic feeling, based completely on the main character and what she would need. It was physical and immersive. Yeah. yeah. For, there are moments where I felt like it was dusty in the room I was in. Yeah. You know? So many people walking by, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. The story world needed to be bright and colorful, and essentially as limitless as a child's imagination. For the story world, the animators met with a paper artist to understand how light works with paper and how it feels to animate with paper. 
They then recreated the paper imagery for the film using the computer. They added shadows and textures to give the audience a sense of puppetry. The acting of the characters in the scenes was all also as theatrical as possible with bold movements. I love how it just flicks back and forth throughout this movie. Yes. It, I don't know. It just works somehow. It's yeah. so cool. I, yeah. So this movie, what they're doing is they also have a parallel storyline, like Song of the Sea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, the stories don't match each other the way they do in Song of the Sea. Yeah. The story world is more like an escape. The lessons from the story world all obviously also apply to the real world setting and what's happening. Mm-hmm. But because it's like, this is what the, the family turns to. It's what Parvana turns to. When things get really tough, they start telling the story, right? Yeah. And so the two worlds had to look different because one, you don't want to get confused, mm-hmm. right? Right. But two, it's like you're watching, it's like entertainment, right? You're watching yeah. a puppet show. You're watching someone mm. put this on. She's a, she's a storyteller. She's painting a picture for you. Yeah. Sound designer J.R. Fountain wanted the sounds of the real world to feel oppressive and overwhelming. He treated the story world as a sort of playground, not with cartoon effects necessarily, but still bringing joyful and playful sounds to the scene. So it's like, (laughs) in the real world, you have crowds, the occasional vehicle passing by, you know, Mm -hmm. footprints on the ground, and lots and lots of noise. Mm -hmm. And he wanted that to be oppressive. He wanted you to kind of feel like... A little overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to even kind of understand that she's sitting at her, I guess, kiosk (laughs) trying to sell her stuff, just yelling into the nothing, hoping to get somebody's attention, you know? And then in the story world, we have this old lady milking a cow, you know, and it's like, tink, 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 you know, when she's like with, you know, these lighter sounds, happier Uh sounds, kind of funnier things going on. Much like The Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea. This film weaves the beauty and culture of its setting with a very real-world experience. Producer Anthony Leo commented on how much he loved that audiences would get to see Afghanistan's rich culture, art, and storytelling, a contrast to how the country is often portrayed, especially during this time period. One million percent. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's all, we, that's all we know about it. Yeah. Is, is the real-world version yeah. that, that we see. And it's amazing how much is hidden, you know, this simple story that touches on a few things here and there could be so deep, you know, she, she just comes up with the bad, the bad guy of that story, the elephant king. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's probably so much to that. Why would she pick an elephant out of anything? It's Mm -hmm. like, there's cultural reasons, artistic reasons, probably who knows how deep it goes and we don't yeah. get to see that hardly ever right mm-hmm. so the cast in this one we have sara chaudry as parvana sara felt that the role was a dream come true and that her role in the film reminded her that there are people out there trying to improve the lives of people like parvana yeah soma chaya as shazia norin Gulamgas. As Idris and the Suleiman, Ali Badshah as Nurula, or and also the Talib's security man. His wife is actually from Afghanistan, which gave him a strong frame of reference to this character. 
He said he focused on the loneliness his character must feel. As an educated man that has lost his way of life, as well as a child and his leg. Yeah. Oh, so man. this is the father of yes. the movie. This, and he's one of those strong, stoic kind of characters mm-hmm. that bad things happen to, but you wouldn't know it necessarily, you know? Yeah. They don't let it get them down. They continue to fight. And his way of fighting is to teach his children to read. Yes. And I love the part... There's this part that I loved in in the beginning when I can't remember his name, but he's a character that has joined the Taliban and he is saying he wants to marry her, right? He's like, Mm -hmm. oh, she's going to be of marrying age soon. He was like, you shouldn't have her out here exposed like that. Mm -hmm. And the father says, don't look at her. Yeah. And I just, oh my God, I love that. (laughs) So so simple, but yeah. It's such a tough, he could get in so much trouble. Yeah. For saying something like that. And and it's just, but it's such a, he's such a strong character. Mm-hmm. That's just a strong thing for him to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how saddening it probably was for him to hear yeah. his former student say, everything you taught me is useless. It doesn't, yeah. it's not yeah. going to help me at yeah. all. Ugh. Like, you were no use to me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, next we have Shasta Latif as Soraya. Soraya's the sister, correct? Yes, I believe so. I believe so. So the sister is a really cool character because you honestly, you credit her for supporting her sister mm-hmm. right. after a while. You're yeah. like, wow. I mean, that's got to be hard. Yeah. And she even makes the like choice along with her mother to like, well, I guess I'll be married off in order to save this family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's the only, our only saving grace because mm-hmm. if yeah. I could get married and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Kanza Ferris was the sorceress and the woman in the courtyard. Kawa Ada as Razak. He said of the breadwinner, the writing in this film, it speaks to Afghan culture as well as that it's not sentimental. And I mean, obviously there's great heart in it. And there is such a broad scope of the people. And even within the story, you have all these other characters who are given their due. Which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool quote because it's neat that the movie represents, it's not just telling the story that takes place in Afghanistan, right? Yeah. It's also, it also has the feeling of the culture in it. Kane Mahone as the optician and the kiln owner. And Ali Cosmi as Daria and the fruit juice vendor and the jail warden. One thing I do love, I want to say here, the fruit juice guy, <laughs> he's an example, but I love that there are quick moments of people who really, before she disguises herself as a boy, Pravana goes up to this guy and is like, hey, can I get some stuff? And he's like, I, I, like he's not like, hey, this girl is out here by herself. That's yeah. against the rules. Mm-hmm. He's just like, look, I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still trying to be nice to her. And it's like thinking about that again, we're being shown on TV and things the worst of it. Each person is an individual, and there are people who are the opposite of what TV right. tells us, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the music. The Ooh. composers, Jeff and Michael Dana, used a different approach musically to the real world versus the dream world. 
The real world was scored more like a live-action film, and it was desolate and serious. In the story world, the music followed what was happening on the screen. Yeah. He, was, he said that the real world was more of like a mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the story world was like very reactive to what was going on. Yeah. yeah. If you've ever watched an episode of Tom and Jerry, then you know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> the composers knew it was important to honor the Afghan traditions. So they used Afghan artists and instruments and researched the music of the culture. Yeah. The ending music of the film was meant to leave the audience with feelings of hope and beauty, as the story is about love and strength above all else. Yeah. This movie about a war-torn area where people are oppressed and, you know, in danger. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time you don't think it's going to be about a family in love, Mm -hmm. but that's what the movie's about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more than anything. It's about how much they love each other and they just want to be together. And yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it ends on this very uncertain, uncertain feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know what's really going to happen because no. this is the beginning of a war, essentially, yeah. what's going yeah. on. And you don't really know how this family is going to fare during all of that. Mm-hmm. No. But. Yeah. You know, they're together, mm-hmm. and that was the goal. Yep. And you just have to hope for the best. Yeah. Overall, the breadwinner was nominated for 55 awards, winning 22 of them. Holy Whoa! cow. Heck yeah. Oh my gosh. It was the third Cartoon Saloon film to be nominated for the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. And it was also the first to win the Annie Award for the same title. <sighs> All right. Nice. Finally. Overall, best animated feature, winner of the Annie Award. Yes. Yes. So that's pretty cool. Give him the Oscar, for goodness sake. Lord almighty. What do they have to do? I know. Seriously. This movie, it's so vastly different from the first two, Mm -hmm. but yet it still has such a cartoon saloon touch to it Mm -hmm. because they, they do things in a way that's just real and researched and thought out. Yeah. And, you know, but still able to make it, you know, in this case, maybe not for kids, but in a way that it's easier to comprehend, an easier way to follow and to understand kind of what is happening in a way that's not like bludgeoning you over the head with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think the movie does a great job of walking between the really serious things, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the things that make your heart really heavy, and then you have these beautiful little moments. I think my favorite part is when her and her friend break into the factory where they're making candy. Mm -hmm. It's a nice little detail. Mm -hmm. You know, they break in there, they're picking up pieces of candy off the floor to eat them. It's such a little kid thing to do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like every kid would want to do that, you know? Oh, yeah. And I love the freedom that she feels when she's a boy. Mm -hmm. And just like the whole whole aspect of it. Her older Mm -hmm. sister helps her decide to be to pose as a boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She starts cutting her hair. And Nora told me was very specific about this scene. She didn't want it to be incredibly dramatic mm-hmm. that this princess is losing her hair. Yeah. 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 It it needed to be a very matter of fact, well, this is what must be done. 
Yeah. And we will do it. And her sister helping her achieve this independence Mm -hmm. that she herself will likely never have or just can't have. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a a very beautiful moment, but it's, you know, Mm -hmm. like they said, it's not overly sentimental. It's just you can read so much into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I suppose a lesser movie would have her come in and say, what are you doing? You can't Mm -hmm. do that. What are you cutting your hair? But no, there wasn't even a word said. She's like, I see what's going on here. We're going to do it. Yeah, we're Mm going to do it. We're making this decision together. And and it's kind of like a loving situation, too, because she's like, you're making a decision. Mm -hmm. But also, I recognize that it is not easy for you to risk your life like this. Mm -hmm. I I think that, you know, they don't need to say any of that. (laughs) No, yeah. And just... The uncertainty that she has when she first walks out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did it work? Yeah. And you kind of mentioned it briefly, but that moment when she first goes out and she goes to that shop that she tried to buy from earlier, Mm -hmm. um, she even stops at the door and is like, hello. (laughs) Yes. And and the guy behind the counter is like, what are you doing? Come in. Like, (laughs) you don't have to wait at the door. You don't need permission to come in. Yeah. Thinking Mm -hmm. she's a boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she asks for these things. He's like, yeah, got it. Boom. Yeah. Here it is. And she was so happy in that moment. Yeah. And then you mentioned while we were watching, you said, he has no idea. Yeah. Yeah. They were making fun of her. Yes. Making fun of him. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, because and she has this huge smile on her face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they're like, oh, he doesn't even realize when he's being made fun of. Yeah. And it's such a cool scene because yep. they, they have no idea that they are being had. Yep. Yeah. They, you know? they, they think that they're the higher up ones like oh look at this dumb kid he doesn't know what he's doing yeah they're making the joke but really the joke's on them them. yeah Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful moment so that's breadwinner yeah oh man intense yes be ready for the intenseness of this one if you watch it it is intense but the more i think about it the more i like it i think yes i agree yeah i really liked it Mm -hmm. it was a good movie maybe watch something lighthearted right after yeah yeah so the next and last movie that we will be discussing Yay. is Yay. the newest one, Wolf Walker. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> this one you probably heard of out of all of them, at least. Yeah. At least recently. This one's gotten some like some talking about. Yeah, yeah, this is the one that's getting traction, and I think this might be the turning point for the studio. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is the best chance I think they've ever had of winning the Oscar. Yes. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. In a time of superstition and magic, when wolves are seen as demonic in nature and an evil to be tamed, a young apprentice huntress, Robin... Of course. <laughs> <laughs> ...comes to Ireland with her father to wipe out a pack of troublesome wolves. But when Robin saves a wild girl, Maeve, their friendship leads to her discover the world of the Wolfwalkers and transforms into the very thing that her father is tasked to destroy. Yes. Oh, How cool does this one sound? Yes. A classic tale. <laughs> yes. Of, you know, acceptance mm-hmm. and understanding. Uh-huh. Here we go, right? <laughs> I love this. I love the main characters are so fun because they're just like me and Marcy. Yeah. Yep. Except that the main character is named Robin. It, it, the roles would be reversed. I'm the redheaded wild wolf person. <laughs> and Marcy is the proper English girl yeah. well, that wants to kill me. They could 
<laughs> they they couldn't be they couldn't be too specific about it. They couldn't be too on point. Right, right. They yeah. had to switch it up. They had to make sure that I didn't catch that the movie was about me. Yeah. yeah. So they but had you, to switch exactly. the names of the characters. But you did anyway. So yeah. oh, it was I, a I, I, I mean you I can't hide it. it. Yeah. yeah. Does, that, does that make me Lord Protector? Oh god. No, I'm just <laughs> if you I don't wanna be, be. <laughs> I don't wanna be Lord Protector. So with Wolfwalkers, the final installment in the trilogy, the studio made a conscious decision to create a larger action adventure. Artistically and narratively, it is their most ambitious undertaking to date. Mm -hmm. Initially, Cartoon Saloon shopped the project to Netflix, but when the streaming Goliath passed, Apple was the one to step in. And Ooh. Netflix is doing their next movie? Yeah. They're yep. like, whoopsie daisy. Uh, How about you come on back? <laughs> yeah. You mean we could have gotten another Oscar nomination? How? What? Fools. <laughs> yep. And, and say what you want about Apple, whatever. It kind of stinks that it's only on Apple yeah. TV. Whatever. Yeah, that does suck. But hey, I'm glad the movie got made. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Me you too. Know? Yeah. And I can't wait for it to make it to Blu-ray. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I... I think about it, I'm like, if Cartoon Saloon had gotten three Oscar nominations after having made 10 other movies, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, do what you want. But they are three for three. Yeah. Well, four for four now. Yep. Now, yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> They're amazing. Written by Will Collins, Wolf Walkers has roots in the Cromwellian invasion of Ireland. And Lord Protector, as mentioned, is mm -hmm. based on Oliver Cromwell. Ah. And Irish folklore about the Wolves of Ossery, a tribe of beings who could transform themselves into wolves. Ooh. Which is pretty cool. Uh, yes. Yeah. Directors Tom Moore and Ross Stewart developed the film's visual style to show a contrast between period Kilkenny with its blocky look to convey its oppressive nature and the more fluid, free look of the forest. We mentioned it. Yeah. Way back in the first movie, yeah. they, they bring this dynamic, these two styles back. Yeah. It's cool that it's in Kilkenny also. Yeah. yeah. The studio is where the, the story is taking place. Yeah. Yep. It's happening in their backyard for all we know. <laughs> oh. Both were inspired by 17th century woodcuts, ah. which are beautiful. Yeah. If you go look them up. Stewart said in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Robin's home in Kilkenny is a cage, and the visuals reinforce that. The line work is very harsh and very black and white. There's high contrast, and there's a lot of geometric patterning. It's kind of like a warped perspective. I love that. Ah. Mm -hmm. I love it so much, and I love the parallels between this and The Secret of Kells, mm -hmm. with the walls trying to keep, only this time it's, only this time, the real danger and the real pain is inside the walls mm -hmm. instead of outside the walls. Right. Yeah. Maria Pereja, a production designer on Wolfwalkers, notes that for period Kilkenny, they took creative licenses, but also relied on extensive research, including stops at Kilkenny's Roth House, one of the oldest houses in all of Ireland. And as a little side note, the Roth House was built between 1594 and 1610, and is now a must-see museum and garden dedicated to the life and times of 17th century Ireland. Wow. So it's the perfect choice yeah. for this movie. Exactly. The film's signature look is hand-drawn with the help of computers to augment the process. Every frame is still drawn by hand, but with a computer screen and stylus. 
cool. It's just, I mean, for all of these movies, it's yeah. Just think about how cool that is. It's incredible. That you do awesome. it by hand, man. Yeah. Amazing. I love that it's a stylistic choice. You know. Yes. Yeah. They could be doing 3D. They just don't want to. Mm-hmm. More explains. We use special digital brushes to look as much like the pencil line that we want. Backgrounds, on the other hand, are painted with watercolors, and the line work is also done on paper with pencils and pens. They're combined and photoshopped to make the final background. So, as we mentioned, they, they don't want to use the, the cells necessarily yeah, for yeah. the backgrounds, but they're still using their artistic talents to make these beautiful yeah. styles. And they're still drawing on pencil with that pencil and paper. Yep. And they're, yeah. still, it's they're still doing that stuff. Out of this world. The artists were also heavily encouraged to leave the pencil lines to give a very two-dimensional feel. Heck yes. Yes, yes. baby. Yes. <laughs> I love I, it. I love that style. And I noticed it when we were watching it. I said, yeah. ha, it's got the messy style. Yes. yes. I like the messy style. Especially mm-hmm. in Maeve's hair. Yeah. That's where uh, I noticed yes. it the most. Yes. Screenwriter Collins' early research focused intensely on hunters' lives in and out of Kilkenny during the era of Cromwellian War. He said that it was important to fill the audience in on it, but not get bogged down by it. For Stewart, the, the story was the most important thing. There is a time and place for historical stories and being truthful to, those, to the original tale, but that doesn't mean everything has to stick to that. Stories have to adapt to the way they're being told in this century, and they will be different in the next century. Yeah. Yeah. You think about all the history that we talk about, and we mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, stories change, but it's okay. Yeah. And the same thing with this. The, the Cromwellian War may have not had as much going on with, like, still settling the land kind of deal mm. with dealing with wolves and pests yeah. like that. But, you know. It's okay. Yeah. And it works. So the cast for this one, we first have Honor Nifse as Robin Goodfellow. Eva Whitaker as Maeve Og Mektira. This is actually her first full-length feature role. So way to stay, start out strong. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And we heard that she won an Annie for that. She did. Heck yeah. She won an Annie Award for this role. Good job, man. Hell yes. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Congratulations. Sean Bean as Bill Goodfellow, who's Robin's father and the town wolf hunter. He did a good job in this. He did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's so good at that stoic, sad father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a lot of Game of Thrones vibes, Mm -hmm. I felt like, here. And he didn't die. So He did not die. Yeah. But the relationship between his daughter and him really reminded me of uh, Ned Stark and Arya. Yeah. yeah. Simon McBurney as Lord Protector. Tommy Tiernan as Sean Og as the farmer who is put in the stockade. Maria Doyle Kennedy as Maeve's mother. Mole McTire. And that's it. All of these, and we said it before, for all of these movies, but these voice actors are incredible. Mm. And I love how authentic they are. That's something that big budget Hollywood Mm. doesn't really do. No. Because they need those names. And I'm like, I haven't heard a single one of these people, I guess, other than Sean Bean. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) I haven't heard of most of these people. And yet. I love them in this movie. You don't yeah. have to be, you don't have to have a big name to no. be a voice actor. I think that the problem is that studios started hiring big names mm-hmm. to draw in adults. 
because yeah. it, adults yeah. weren't going to see animation, right? And so it was like an adult's more likely to take their kid to see a movie if the movie has Justin Timberlake in it, I guess, or yeah, something like that. Something. Brad Pitt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's just, you know, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I think those actors can do a great job. Yeah. I don't think that just because you're a big actor, you can't do voice acting. Right. But I do think that there are voice actors that have dedicated their whole lives to that practice and mm-hmm. that know how to do it maybe a little bit better. Yeah. Yes. And also, if you have this you have this whole authenticity thing that you're going for, you want actual Irish voice actors. Yes. Yeah. So glad that they don't have people trying to do accents. Yeah. yeah. There are people who can pull off an accent pretty mm-hmm. well. But then there are people who just can't. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad that we don't have to worry about that. In exactly. This. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Released by G Kids on 500 screens across the United States and on Apple TV Plus, the movie has received glowing reviews and has earned the studio another Oscar nomination. Uh-huh. David Elric of IndieWire said in his review, Irish animation studio Cartoon Saloon may not be able to match the impact or consistency of Japan's Studio Ghibli, but the outfit has gradually emerged as one of the world's last and most valuable assets against the crude and sometimes soulless nature that has defined the post-Shrek era of mainstream animated movies. (laughs) (laughs) He said this guy is not us. Yep, Yep. exactly. (laughs) With Wolfwalkers, we have an animated film that finds a new beauty in ancient traditions, a film that fights back against the temptation to surrender what little magic this world still has left. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so many movies. After a while, it starts to feel that there are a whole bunch that are the same. Mm-hmm. And so it's really nice to see one that's totally different. And and I, I see what he means by soulless. You know, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't like to use that because mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of incredibly talented people mm-hmm. that spent years of their life yeah. on these movies. Yeah. Yeah. And you can easily come up with examples. Like I think that the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy has so much soul to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Despite it being a 3D animated yeah. series, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So much. The TV shows, meh. Yeah. But the movies absolutely has the same yeah. heart yeah. and feel as as something like Wolf Walkers, right? Mm-hmm. But it is. It is really nice to have somebody stand up and say, we're going to do it our way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I've said before, nobody does it like Cartoon Saloon. Yeah. Disney yep. dropped the 2D thing a while ago. Yep. And I'm so glad that somebody out there is still doing it and doing it well. Yeah. yeah. It, the, the whole thing about animation is that it is limitless yeah. by nature because you are creating whatever you want on a page mm-hmm. or in the computer. Yeah. So... Just the fact that people used to do 2D animation a long time ago and now we have computers <laughs> doesn't mean that they've even come close to the full potential of what animation can do yeah. in a 2D mm-hmm. space alone. You know, we love those old movies for a reason. They're good movies, beautiful movies, you know, Lion King, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that they're 2D, like yeah. I will 110 mm-hmm. zillion percent show these old movies to my kids yeah. and they're going to love them because, because they're great movies, period. <laughs> yeah. So how do we feel about Wolfwalkers? Yeah. It's just so beautiful. This movie is another home run. I mean, it, it again, dives into that Irish lore without having to know 
everything about it. You get it. Like, okay, yeah. wolf walkers, got it. Yeah. They can change. They're wolves at nighttime. Got it. But there's, you could dive so deep into that if you wanted to. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's looking at the reflection on top of an ocean. You have the secret of Kells, which the struggle was, do we focus more on survival personally or do we focus more on survival of our culture? You know, and then this movie, it's what about nature? You know, mm-hmm. and that's another thing that Song of the Sea also touches on. Mm-hmm. The wolves are seen as these violent monsters mm-hmm. when honestly they're not, right? Mm-hmm. But this is something that we see time and time again in real world and history mm-hmm. constantly, right? Mm-hmm. If there's something, if somebody in charge doesn't want you to like something, they demonize it. Yep. And this is what happens. Yeah. You know, and we have a main character that goes through that change, the realization that you know, the one, the thing that she's been trying to kill, the thing that she's dedicated, she's been dedicating her time to learning how to yeah. kill, she becomes that thing. And she realizes that that's not as much of a nightmare as you'd think. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, that is a really beautiful story. And you just kind of wish that it could happen to other people, you know? Yeah. Right. You know, walk a mile in their shoes, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. But this movie has that really great sense of environmentalism, but also you know, accepting others. I love the friendship between Maeve and Robin. Yes. It's in a very strong, young female relationship Mm -hmm. that I love. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's honest and it's innocent and they're just being friends. Yes. Hey, check out all the cool stuff I can do. Yes. And that we can do together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And that internal struggle, that battle that Robin has, thinking she's doing what's best for Maeve. Yep. And it comes back on her father at the same time. Yeah. Because she, after Robin goes through her kind of development and realization of, of Maeve and the wolves, right? The father then becomes the new Robin. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. in that position, right? Where he is now looking at it the same way Robin did. And Robin is trying to get him to see it the way Maeve showed her. Yeah. Right? So it's this amazing story arc that... Yeah just flows seamlessly right. from one character to the next and it, we still yeah. understand it and then yeah i, I we, love the whole thing this whole this whole idea of i'm sorry you can't be free i want you to be a scholarly maid mm-hmm. it's what's best for you mm-hmm. yeah you don't know what's best for you i know what's best for you passes on to you don't know what's best for you mave yeah i know what's best for you yeah and then when Maeve shows her how wrong she is, it's like, it's just like before, you know, and my yep. dad was wrong about me. Mm-hmm. And there's that, I, I, and they tie the story up in this neat little bow yep. at the end <laughs> that I, you know what I mean? Yes. It's a little neater than some of their other movies, which yeah. it's, it's totally fine, you know, in contrast to The Breadwinner where it's a very uncertain ending, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I think this is a beautiful movie. You know, you go into these animated movies with a an idea of what animation can yeah. do, right? Mm-hmm. And these movies shatter those expectations yeah. in wonderful ways. And you just, sometimes you're not ready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. We love you, Cartoon Saloon, so much. We really do. We do. Keep we do. going. Oh, also, uh, I wanted to mention, they've done animated shorts and TV series, Cartoon Saloon has. We, we've yeah. mentioned this before. We'll link 
to their website so you can actually see all the things that they've done. And that yeah. way you can kind of scroll through and watch. Puffin Rock is adorable. Oh, yeah. If you have a toddler, put it on for them. Yeah. You'll, they'll love it. And I mean, mm-hmm. if they don't love it, you'll still like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll be surprised. Yeah, you'll be. It, it's nice, cute, quiet, wonderful yes. little little stories. And also, next year, we have a new movie coming from them called My Father's Dragon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you guys heard that, but the word dragon is in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which so means it's that it's going to be amazing. Automatically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Last week we mentioned how it can be difficult to succeed in animation without a lot of name recognition. There are so many studios out there with talented artists making incredible stories come to life with animation. Cartoon Saloon is just one of them. It's a studio that has stayed true to itself and has had remarkable success. Its films are absolutely breathtaking with refreshing animation styles that are, quite frankly, a balm for the eyes. Mm. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Cartoon Saloon takes its time with their work, using what they believe to be the best techniques for each particular story. These films are the kind that we watch, not just because they are entertaining and beautiful, but because we can see how passionate the animators are about their work. We wanted to close Animation April with Cartoon Saloon because this is a studio that everyone should know about. It often seems that in order to be successful, you have to have the most money or be the most popular, or that you need to make certain kinds of films using specific techniques. But in this case, Cartoon Saloon's success comes strictly from passion, hard work, and a whole lot of talent. (laughs) They're an inspiring group of masterful storytellers, and we cannot wait to see what they will do next. Yes. Hooray. It's, yes. It's funny. We we started this month with some hidden gem yeah. movies, and now we end it with a hidden gem studio. Right. Which yes. hopefully will be quite uncovered soon. Yes. yes. People, every, hopefully everybody will know who Cartoon Saloon is. Maybe yes. we're even late to the party. Maybe everybody yeah. knows it already. True. Yeah. Maybe. Appreciate its beauty. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, uh, I guess it's a case closed. Yeah. Woo! On Animation April. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, but we still have a no small parts coming, so keep your ears out for that. Yes. Yes. So, before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, and Linda. Oh, Yay. yeah. Thank you. And Bob. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, and that's Bob. right. Forget, who can forget about Bob? Yeah. yeah classic Bob. <laughs> oh, Bob. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of our show. Please reach out to us if you'd like to speak to us. We have Twitter at Black Case Diary, Instagram at Black Case Diaries Podcast. We have a website, just blackcasediaries.com. You can find all our shows there. You can find No Small Parts. Uh, those episodes are only a few minutes long if you yeah. don't have a lot of time. And also, yeah, send us an email if you like. Maybe just blackcasediaries at gmail.com. Yeah. is yeah. our email. If you want to just contact us or talk to us, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. If you have any movies that you wish we would talk about. Yeah. Is there another studio that you know about that we don't that's yeah. killing it? Yeah. yeah. Tell us about it. I mean, or just give us a name and we'll look into it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll do we'll even do all the work. Just just send us a message. Yep. yep. That's it. That's all I care about. <laughs> anyway. Yep. So thank you so much for listening. And I guess that's uh goodbye. Yeah. For now. Bye. Bye.